0: Five o'clock in Sizzling, Salford. How are you doing this Wednesday? All good in your world, I hope it is. Welcome to Wednesday's Richie Allen Radio Show. I've got two brilliant guests. You can tweet me, BBG Richie, between now and seven. Let's do it.
1: It's the BBG, not
2: the BBC. You're listening to the Richie Allen Radio Show, live from Salford in Greater Manchester.
3: It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie
0: Allen. Yeah, now the last American vagabond himself, Ryan Christian, will be with me in the second hour. It's been a while. Like Ryan a lot, so looking forward to hearing from him a bit later on. Before that, the academic... The author and broadcaster Kevin Barrett returns to the programme. He's on with me this hour in a busy old show. It's always busy. I'm double busy. Yes, I'm sure you are too. How are you getting on? It's sizzling again. It's lovely. It's kind of nice, actually. It'll get unbearable in terms of working indoors, I mean. We're not living on the equator or anything here. It'll get unbearable in a few weeks' time, but it won't matter then. No, no, because I'm counting down to Aircon 4. Yes. By the end of next week, I did mention yesterday, Aircon 4, it'll be absolutely freezing Baltic in the studio. Yes, it will be. Well, well, the army is at the gates of Salford. We tried to pull up the drawbridge and we filled the moat with sharks and electric eels and everything else. But the army's here anyway. Door-to-door surge testing beginning. Persuaders knocking on people's doors, asking them, do they want to test? Agawon, have a test. Have a test. Have you had the vaccine? No. Agawon, have a vaccine. I live here. I, I, I walk here. I work here. I run here. It's been my home for two years. Nobody is sick here. Nobody. This is what totalitarianism looks like, but I'm not going to dwell on that right now. What I will dwell on, not today, but in a show very soon is I'm going to pose a question to you and I am going to open the phone and the Skype and we are only going to talk about the thing that I want to talk about. I'm going to ask you next week on a phone-in, do we need to accept that this is going to happen? Not an easy thing to accept, but that this is going to happen. And I don't mean, do we get all maudlin, do we become all maudlin and melancholy and low vibration? No, not at all. Not at all. I want to ask you, do we need to accept that this is going to happen and make other plans? Because we're not going to get enough people prepared to embrace the solution, which is non-violent civil disobedience. We'll talk about that real soon on a live phone-in programme. Andrew Lloyd Webber, then, the legendary composer, telling everybody who listened today that he will open his theatres on June 21st. He owns six, apparently, in the West End. He said they'll have to arrest me. Obviously, live entertainment, the theatre, the arts, has suffered, along with everything else, in the last 15 months. And he is aghast. He is aghast at news that June the 21st might not be Freedom Day after all. So he set up. Yes, it is the same Andrew Lloyd Webber who compared you and me, refuseniks like we are. He compared us to drunk drivers, didn't he? He basically said to the BBC back on May 17th, he said, if you don't get the job, you risk killing people, apparently. You risk killing people if you don't get the job. So there you are. Big splash in The Telegraph today. The Telegraph led with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Love Yeah. Uh, Cricketers and I presume sports people all over the world are rushing to delete or sanitise their social media accounts. There are companies who will undertake this for you on your behalf. There's a company for everything. You know that. If If you don't want to scratch your own arse, there is a company that will send somebody around, charge you a premium, but somebody will scratch your arse for you. There's a company for everything. And there is a company that will go through your social media history and pull out those dodgy tweets, you know, those microaggressions and those potentially racist tweets. So this is, of course, Ollie Robinson, the England cricketer, made his debut in the first test against New Zealand, played a blinder, but then was forced to apologise for stuff that he tweeted about nine or ten years ago. Now, James Anderson, or Jimmy Anderson to us fans, and by us, I mean me, Jimmy apologised for an old tweet about fellow legendary bowler Stuart Broad. Uh, Several years ago, Stuart went to the barbers, and Jimmy tweeted something, something along the lines of, he looks like a 15-year-old lesbian. I have no idea what a 15-year-old lesbian looks like but he's deleted the tweet anyway and apologized as you do. Uh Captain Owen Morgan too splitter. Splitters. Morgan is Irish from Dublin, born and bred Irishman, but he plays for England in the cricket. I don't blame him. Uh he's been hosing down his account too. Fookin' Fookin' L.A. Everybody's at it. Will I do it? No, of course I won't do it. I know there are some proper bombs in there, unexploded, but I'm not going to delete them. Because I am who I am. Warts and all. I've said some mad shit over the years, particularly when I've been pissed right up. When I Bacardi'd the living bejesus out of myself. Yes. I was sober that time when I caused that massive storm two years ago when I was asked what did I think of the Holocaust, and I tweeted, I'm tired of hearing about it. I was stone-cold sober then, and I would do it again tomorrow. What a mess that turned out to be back in June of 2019. Uh, David Nabarro, mentioned him, didn't we, the other day, is a constant on Sky News. He's the World Health Organization's special envoy on COVID-19. Special envoy. (laughs) <sighs> on coronavirus. Now, he was on Sky this morning with the gingerness of the ninjiness, uh, Skye's Kay Burley, uh, this morning. Do you know I've been totally underwhelmed by Kay's return to the airwaves after she was banned for six months for, well, for risking life and limb to have a drink for her 60th birthday. That's what she did, God lover. She went out at Christmas time for a knees up with Beth Rigby and a few other hacks. But apparently they didn't take too much care in the old social distancing. And the others got two and three-month bans. But Kay, being a bit senior, was banned for six months. She's back on now and I'm underwhelmed. I think I've fallen out of love with Kay. And that's okay. I've moved on now to Julia Hartley Brewer. I've 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 what have I done? I've I've scaled up is what I've done. No, no, it's not true. I'll always love Kay. So Kay spoke with David Nabarro this morning. He said to Kay that in the future we we might need to adapt our lifestyles to fight COVID. And COVID's, of course, never ending variants. So we'll have to adapt our lifestyles, you see. Nabarro said that when restrictions are eventually lifted, we'll need to continue living, you and me, as if the virus is waiting around every corner. David Nabarro. Well,
3: certainly life has to go on. And the last thing any of us want is to have people needing to go on restricting their lives. But this virus has not gone away. Uh, In some ways, it's lurking and just waiting to strike again. And uh, so I want to suggest to everybody, please be really, really careful. Uh, by all means, uh, governments should be releasing restrictions, but it's really up to people everywhere to organise their lives, to minimum, minimise the amount of contact they have with others and to...
0: I... Organise your lives to minimise the amount of contact you have with one another. Now, Nabarro isn't suggesting you do this for a few weeks. This is the blueprint for the rest of your life. (laughs) Stick to your bubble and minimise your contacts.
3: I I agree with the last speaker. Wear their face masks and just keep that protection going.
0: He's putting a face mask on him as he is speaking to demonstrate how easy it is to don a face mask. Going,
3: You know, it's not a big thing to do, to mask yourself. and, And we want to ask people to go on doing that and go on being careful.
0: He's taking it off now.
3: Because this virus is just very, very dangerous. No, it isn't. And it's very present.
0: It isn't present. Would
4: a two or four week delay, what difference would that make? What oh, a four week delay. Mate, what would it achieve, do you think, David?
3: Well, I'm trying, Kay, to again, really reiterate that it can't be just about restrictions. The future for humanity.
0: The future for humanity.
3: humanity is going to require that we adapt our lifestyles so that we make it hard for this virus to spread. I mean, we know that the virus is constantly changing. Which
0: I would beat him like a hated stepchild if I was given the chance.
3: Which means that although vaccination is a marvellous, marvellous asset, it's not going to be enough. We enough. are going to have to continue to behave as though the virus is an ever-present threat.
0: Yeah, yeah, just continue to behave like the viruses lurking around every street corner and lamppost. David Nabarro there. Yeah, I would. Why are stepchildren hated so much? I don't know. Anyway, let's stay with this. Around eight in ten adults in most areas of Blighty are now likely to have antibodies. COVID antibodies, believe it or not. according to the This is according to the Office for National Statistics, the ONS. It said there was an observable link between the success of the vaccination programme and the number of people testing positive for proteins that can offer some protection against the virus. Now, this sounds like good news. Whatever you believe, dear listener, you might not believe the virus ever existed, and you're entitled to believe what you like. I don't know. I operate on the basis that I just go along with, not that I go along with, but for the sake of argument, there was some virus going around. Maybe a very bad flu that got very bad. I don't know. But let's just pretend the virus exists, right? Okay. And I'm not saying it doesn't. So this is good news, right? Eight in ten adults with COVID antibodies. and um, Those antibodies coming through, according to the ONS, through people who have got COVID and then gotten over it. And those who have been jabbed. I don't believe that. But anyway, they're saying 80%. That sounds good, doesn't it? This is data from the week... Until, from, this, their, their estimates are based on data from the week until May 7th, right up to the 7th of May. Suggest so, so it should be more now, suggesting that 80.3% of adults in England, 82.7% in Wales, and 79.9% in Nornarn now have the antibodies. That's good news, you would have thought, right? Right? Wrong. Wrong. Uh, the UK media, at the speed of light today, dragged out the doom-mongers to say, nope, this is no good, including Barat Pankania, communicable disease expert at the University of Exeter. It's not good news. It's not good news that 80% of the population have Covid antibodies. Don't be getting excited. You will hear the interviewer first.
4: It, it strikes me that it's quite hard to measure how many people have antibodies because they've had uh, Covid. How Are you sort of confident on this statistic of 80% when we're taking into account not only obviously the vaccinations, which are clearly monitored and we have the numbers very clearly, but, but also those who potentially have had Covid and might not have known about it? How do we measure that?
1: It's very difficult because the other item that is also missing from the conversation is you may not have detectable antibodies, but you may still be uh, immunized and immune and protected because the art and craft of measuring and identifying antibodies is not so precise. So the one that we really want to go with is the number of people fully immunised, and that's 30 million in the United Kingdom.
0: Yeah, forget about the people who had COVID and got over it. Forget about that. We're only interested in those who've had the two jabs. Mm, He's a bit of a Baxter, isn't he? Mm.
4: Now, 80% was always heralded as this, uh, or for a while, had been heralded as this magic number number. uh, to reach herd immunity. Do you agree with that?
0: Well
1: no no <laughs> because it depends on a number of other parameters the so initially we were quite happy if we got 75 percent uh population ah. immune however with the arrival of more infectious variants variants unfortunately we've got to up our level
0: of immunity so that's the never-ending variants we used to think that 75 percent was good then we moved on and we said, no, that's not good. 80% is good. Now that the Office for National Statistics tells us that we've got 80% of the population with antibodies, well, that's no good either. We need to aim higher and higher and higher because of the never-ending variance. That's one item.
1: The second item is we don't know for sure how long the immunity and the immune levels last for. And therefore, it's very difficult to predict that we will have herd immunity because we've immunised all people oh my God. Uh, have got antibodies present.
0: Witch doctor. Witch doctor. What was that song, Cartoons, witch doctor? As a former nightclub DJ, I never played it, I swear to God, but I did play it on the radio. How did it go? Ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang, walla, walla, bing, bang. He's a witch doctor. He's a liar. And even the presenter must know this. But, well, you know, why say anything? Why say anything? Anything for an easy life. Just go along with him. Thank you very much, Dr. Pancania, for joining us. Thank you. It's over to Sue for the weather. That's how it goes, basically. Over on BBC Radio 5 Live, acting for the people, Nicky Campbell, the presenter, said the people who have been double vaccinated, they want their freedom, dag nabbit. They want it now, can't sarn it. He said this to Ellie Gaunt, who is a virologist, at the University of Edinburgh. What did she say? Uh, And loads of people are saying to us on the texts, you know, look, we're vaxxed, we're double
3: vaxxed. We were told that when that happened, life would open up and we're going to have this delay. Don't make any sense.
4: Yeah, um, it's a really difficult kind of ethical question whether people who are double vaccinated should be allowed to move freely in society.
0: Well, Tony Blair thinks, though. Blair thinks if you've had your two jabs, you should get your freedoms and the rest of us should, well, not, not have any freedoms. Um,
4: we do know that people who have been doubly vaccinated still have the potential to transmit the virus.
0: So what do you do then? These are fucking witch doctors, these people. This is astonishing. Nicky Campbell, for the first time in probably, his lo- no, for, for the first time since he presented Wheel of Fortune, asked a legitimate question. People have had two jabs, they're pissed right off. What more do they need to do? And it comes back inevitably. Well, you know, the people with the two jabs, uh, they're um, they are still a bit susceptible and, and, and they can still pass it on. And if Campbell had the balls to jump in, which he doesn't, and scream at her and demand that she gives him an answer, definitively, So what I would have done in Campbell's position is stopped her right there and said, right, you daft bint. Tell us exactly what people need to do then in order to go back to to normality. Press her. The, The truth is she wouldn't answer it because the real answer is, the answer she's not allowed to give is, there'll be no return to normality. We will expect you to take a third jab in the autumn. As Campbell himself found out yesterday when interviewing another virologist, the jab in the autumn is the same as the jab they're giving you now. It's a booster of the existing jab. Not an adapted or an amended jab, but a booster. And then they went on to talk about what they called, what they called, not Schedule 2 vaccinations, but new vaccinations adapted to the variants. The answer is never you're never going to be allowed to go back to normal. Ever. Will it dawn on people, I wonder? Will it eventually land on people? Hit them right in the face, you know? Like a big pigeon poo from the sky. Splat right on your nose. Will it eventually hit people? It doesn't matter what you do. They're not going to give you back your freedoms because you are too fucking readily, easily happy to give them away. To move
4: freely in society. Um, th- we do know that people who have been doubly vaccinated still have the potential to transmit the virus. It is reduced, but there still is the potential there. It's hugely reduced. Yeah, so I think it's around sort of um, 10%. Um, but there is still the possibility as
0: well that people who have been... Doubly- Campbell should annihilate her later here and demand that she tell him the answer. What is... What will be enough for you and your witch doctor friends to say, yes, just carry on... Um, Party like it was 2019. What would we need to do? But of course, he's not going to answer. i have been d- asked that question? To
4: vaccinated, particularly in the high-risk groups, they can get breaks or infections and they can still get quite sick. It's a small um, chance, but there is still the risk there. So until quite everybody sick, in society-
3: people will say, if somebody could turn the radio off in the background, I can just hear it going on. Quite sick that. It, 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 the chance of hospitalization is hugely hugely reduced likewise the, the chance of death and that's what look we have to you know in some way shape or form over the month uh, form in the months to come we have to carry on we can't carry on living like this people are saying
4: yeah, absolutely. would fully agree with that. So what we really need to do is get um, jabs into people's arms so that we can reach this kind of threshold of immunity. where. People-
0: yeah, yeah. We've got to get jabs into people's arms. But there'll never be enough jabs in people's arms for them to say it's okay now. And I I put this on my website today. It's, It's the truth. When I meet people, some who know that I do this radio show, others who haven't a clue as to what I do. I'm kind with them and when i explain why i would never have a vaccine any vaccine especially this vaccine i i say to them gently and in as as less as as um in the least domineering way possible i say look risk versus benefit the risk is too great there's no benefit to me as a very healthy fit An active 46 year old. I leave it at that. When I pose the same question to the people I bump into, and because I'm not judgmental, ordinarily the answer is, well, the sooner we get it over and done with, the sooner we'll be able to just carry on. And then I say to them, but look, they've lied at every step of the way. Every time you take a measure that comes with a promise, the promise is broken. The promise that vulnerable will be vaccinated will have Freedom Day broken. Get your two jabs and after a few weeks you'll be very well protected. You can go back to normal. Lie. And people's eyes just glaze over. Their eyes glaze over. They don't want to know. And I feel sorry for them. More than anger, I feel sorry for them, you know. Crazy, you know. Campbell should be annihilating people like this woman. Um but look if they can't figure it out, the vaxxing of people, and who should be vaxxed and who shouldn't be vaxxed, and who should be vaxxed and when, should we vax the children? Should we do all the older people first? Why not ask Greta Tunberg, the star child? She knows everything, right? Uh, Greta, why not ask Greta about the vaccines? You think I'm joking, right? But somebody actually did ask Greta Thunberg what we should do with the vaccines. But first, of course, uh, the theme tune.
5: They sweep their mess under the carpet for our generation to clean up and solve. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams, my childhood with your empty words. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. How dare
0: you? Yes, yes, indeed. The BBC's Mark Urban, on behalf of the Newsnight programme, asked the little cherub about vaccine priority. This is insane.
3: Well, in terms of taking action on Covid, uh, do you think a country like the UK should be sending doses of vaccine abroad rather than vaccinating teenagers or people in their 20s.
0: What the fuck does she know about it? Why would you ask her that question? (laughs) Ah, But he did.
5: Of course, I understand that many people have very different opinions on this, but myself think that we should, in the first hand, prioritise... People in risk groups and in older age
0: groups before vaccinating. Greta Thunberg is actually opining on who we should prioritise for vaccines. This is not, this is vaudeville. This is absolutely Tales of the Unexpected, isn't it? Isn't it? Alfred Hitchcock presents, you have to pinch yourself. A BBC presenter treating Greta Thunberg as an expert on who should be vaccinated, who should be prioritised creating oh,
5: healthy young people, no matter where in the world they come from. I
3: think a, a moment that many of you...
0: anyway, while she was on the same um, program being interviewed by Mark Urban, she did say that paying taxes is contributing to destroying the planet. Paying taxes, Greta went on to say that it's impossible to live sustainably. That it's impossible. It's a pipe dream. This is good stuff too.
5: I mean, I'm not telling people to eat less meat. Um, what I'm trying to do is to, to uh, raise awareness and then people can make their own choices based on that, which, of course, is the only way forward. And, and of course, I mean, you can't live sustainable today. It's, it's insane. Just by, I mean, just by basically by paying taxes, you, you are contributing to environmental destruction, basically. What,
0: what was that again? And, of course, because she's Greta, there's no way that he's going to jump all over that. God be with the days of Jeremy Paxman, you know.
5: Basically, by paying taxes, you, you are contributing to environmental destruction, basically.
0: By living. This is the thing. Greta is about three steps away from Jimmy Jones and Guyana and suicide cult. She really is. I, I wonder, will it come to that? With Because Thunberg is obviously insane. I don't care if she's got some sort of autism or some sort of spectrum, I couldn't give a shit about it. She's barking mad. And if you're thinking along the lines of that it's absolutely impossible to live sustainably, that paying taxes is basically destroying the ecosystem and the environment, you're really only a couple of steps away from saying that, well, there are far too many of us on this planet and maybe some of of us maybe need to fall on our swords or or drink or take this orange drink and and drink it and, and you'll go to sleep. Suicide cult, maybe. Greta Thunberg. I don't know. Racism, before we quickly move on. Gary Neville, who's never off the telly these days and is widely considered to be the most... I don't know. Watchable. Is he watchable? Football pundit on television, on Sky Sports. He was involved in an event this morning on reforming football. It was hosted online by the think tank Onward. That's the name of the think tank. It's called Onward. Neville called for a major push to educate people across football against racist hate. Now this is barking.
6: We should deal with the societal issues and tackle the major issues like racism, homophobia, LGBTQ issues. It's ridiculous that I'm still seeing statements from football stakeholders about we don't tolerate racism whilst not doing a damn thing about it. It's ridiculous. There should be greater consequence and they should implement education. Simple as that, and that's everyone throughout the game. That season ticket holders at football clubs. It should be compulsory. Um, education education programs that can be delivered through the wealth in the game for all Premier
0: League fans. Did he just say there that it should be compulsory for season ticket holders at the UK's football club? So a season ticket holder, as you well know, is somebody who spends a lot of money six, seven, eight hundred pounds, a thousand pounds, could be a lot more to get access to watch his or her football team for a single season. And he wants the season ticket holder to be compelled to be educated on racism. He really did say this.
6: That season ticket holders at football clubs, it should be compulsory, um, education, education programs that can be delivered through the wealth in the game for all Premier League fans, administrators, people who work in football clubs, players, And we all have to be educated and we all have to buy into it.
0: No, we fucking don't, you mad bastard. No, we do not have to be educated by you or anybody like you. The assumption should always be about somebody you meet for the first time, that you start with a blank page, that the person standing in front of you is pretty decent until they demonstrate otherwise. That's how it should be. It's how it has been for thousands and thousands of years. We don't assume that the person we meet or the person we work with or the person we date or the person we go for a beer with is racist. It's everywhere, isn't it? It's 27 minutes past five o'clock. It's time for me to get my first guest on the show. So I think I'll go and do that. Lovely. Kevin Barrett standing by in Wisconsin. He's next. And don't forget, later on, the last American vagabond, Ryan Christian, returns to this programme. Your Richie Allen Show. Yeah, lots to get through on today's programme. It is Wednesday, of course. Get rid of uh, the talking heads there. The 9th of June, 2021. It's good to be with you. It really is. Love being with you. Lovely day across the UK today. 23, 24 degrees as uh, so it is, my guest this hour, no stranger to you. He's an academic, he's an author and a broadcaster. I do recommend you check out truthjihad.com. He's been gracing my programs for more years than I care to remember. Let's welcome back from Wisconsin today, Kevin Barrett. Kevin, welcome back, my friend. How are you? I'm
7: well. Thank you for the great build up, Richie. It's you, always fun to be with you.
0: You deserve it, mate. Yeah, it's always fun to be with you as well. Straight off the bat now. Have we, and by we I mean you and I, have we wasted 10, 15, 17 years talking about identity politics, talking about issues around Israel-Palestine, or I should say Palestine? Have we wasted our time talking about false flag terror? Because what we're seeing being rolled out now in, in, I can only speak for my country, you can speak for the United States, the country I live in, we're seeing a totalitarianism being rolled out a fascistic state that's going to be unbearable to live in and it seems like a juggernaut that nothing is going to stop it and it seems to kind of put all those things that we spent so many years talking about and trying to raise awareness about kind of in the shade none of it matters now um our enemies whether they be whether it be radical islamists whether it be lunatic zionists whether it be mass murdering governments like the uk and Uh, the United States of America, France, Israel, none of it matters now because a global agenda is being rolled out by some hidden force. And um, it's going to mean that we're all going to be basically living, living kind of, we talk about Gaza being an open air prison, but they're building an open air prison for us, Kevin. What do you think?
7: Well, I don't know if I would accept quite all of that. I, I think, yes, a lot of folks have wasted their time worrying about identity politics issues, that's for sure. But as for nine eleven and false flags and Zionism, I don't think those are irrelevant to the situation that we're in today. You know, I have a slightly different take on the COVID totalitarianism outbreak than uh, than a lot of folks do. I think it's best to think of it in terms of geopolitics. Uh, so just as nine eleven was designed to launch a war on Islam and Middle Eastern countries on behalf of expansionist Zionism, which is a pet issue for a very powerful wing of the uh, banksters who rule the Western world. Uh, So too, I think COVID was uh, to a certain extent a false flag uh, it's it, just as 9/11 was designed to rally the West against the Muslim enemy and to implant deep-seated hatred of of Islam in people's unconscious minds. I think COVID is the same thing, only vis-a-vis China and to some extent Iran. I think that COVID was probably, as Ron Unz argues in his brilliant series at Unz.com, a uh, botched uh, U.S. neocon biological attack on China. Whether or not it was intended or foreseen that it would blow back and hit the perpetrators and go global, that's a debatable question. But I think that what we're seeing here is the run-up to a possible World War III as the Western bankster oligarchical dictatorship that runs on usury is faced with a formidable challenge in the Slightly yet less uh, usury, bankster, oligarchical entities of uh, Russia, China, and Iran, and so we have uh, your what? Uh, uh, Atlantic Alliance versus Eurasia as the geopolitical backdrop. The Atlantic Alliance needs to rally people into obedience and saluting the flag and being willing to march off to this big uh, war to preserve the banksters' uh, rule and to extend it to the whole planet. So that's where we are, and I don't think. The Western banksters that are doing all of this are necessarily going to win. But I think we do need to get accurate in our analysis so that we can resist them.
0: I, I wonder, would you consider, I mean, if not today, that maybe these things like September the 11th and the 7th of July, I accept because I've seen the evidence. People like you over the years have done an amazing job in uncovering the evidence. I accept that 9-11, Nine we'll call it, 7-7, that these were undoubtedly false flag operations. I mean, I know far more about the 7th of July because, you know, I've, I did so much on it than I do about nine eleven. But I pose to you this point, that maybe, yes, it must have felt to people in the Middle East and beyond that this particular false flag set of events, because there was more than one, was designed to engage people in you know hatred for 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 muslims or for people from from that part of the world but but maybe it was just far more than that kevin you know maybe the the people behind these things couldn't care less about muslims uh, in terms of who muslims are where they come from what their culture is what their heritage is maybe it was all part of one massive divide and conquer agenda. And I am going to shut up now and let you come back in. Maybe it was all part of one agenda to get us to a place where they could introduce the World Economic Forum's plans for a great global reset, which I believe will then move on to other agendas like transhumanism, depopulation. I really believe in these things, Kevin. Not because I want to. I was very reticent to take take on board any of these things over the years. But now I look back and I think, you know, they murdered millions of people in the Middle East, men, women and children, who never did anything other than get up, go to work, go to the mosque, mind their own business. Of course they did. But it was for me, it was about far more than just the Greater Israel Project. Maybe we were meant to think that. Maybe ultimately everything is about subdividing every one of us against one another so that they can bring in for me, what is their end game? That's all I'm saying. Over to you.
7: Yeah, I I think there's some truth to that, but I, I think again we have to reframe this in geopolitical terms. When you talk about they, well, who who is this they? And if we think about the way that elites running nation states, and you know before that city states, have to plot uh, in Machiavellian ways to extend their power and to build up the power of their city-state so they get more power over a larger area, they get more access to resources, more slaves to manipulate. Uh, that's kind of uh, the, the big picture. So when we we look at something like, uh, like COVID and we look at the Great Reset and we think of it as a purely global thing that some kind of vague and nebulous Global ruler is imposing on us. Maybe that's true. That's the maximum conspiracy theory. That you know they're aliens, or you know some uh, some split off civilization that is dominating the whole planet, and and some folks think that. But I, I look at it more geopolitically. That is that we have seen the the rise of a, a certain. Uh, Class in the West, which has dominated as Michael Hudson writes in his critically important pieces. Everybody's got to read the economist Michael Hudson. He points out that a, a kind of a new form of social organization came in with the Roman Empire, which involved the elites. Uh, being given uh, carte blanche to use rents, you know usury, rents on land, and other yeah, forms yeah. of getting money without working, simply for having a piece of paper saying you own something that that's been the way the Western elite organizes itself and sustains its power ever since. And we're at the maximum of that right now, as the finance economy has gobbled up the real economy. So the masters of finance, the bankster elite, as I call them, uh, these people are based in the West. the The Chinese Communist Party has their rich people under control, more or less. Uh, Even Putin got his oligarchs a little bit under control, and certainly the Iranians have their oligarchs to a certain extent under control. The oligarchs cannot just buy power, buy media, buy propaganda, and do anything they want in those countries like they can in the West. So the Western oligarchs, who want to rule the entire world the way they rule the West, are staging these various uh, manipulations, false flags, and other strategic feints in order to strengthen their position in what they see as a coming World War III. And that but don't, the, Western don't like the Great Reset. The Great Reset is yeah. to strengthen the West's position for World War III to make us obedient so we'll march off to war.
0: I wouldn't live in China for all the money in the world. I wouldn't, I wouldn't li- either. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't live in China for all the tea in China. Um, I, I, I couldn't bear it. I, I mean, we, you and I have talked about social uh, crediting, how it's, growing up there. I mean, it's, it's tyranny in China. I don't care what anybody says. Now, it's a benign, thus far, anyway. It's benign in terms of China doesn't do what the US and the UK and France and Israel does. It doesn't do that. Uh, so, from that point of view, it's benign. A bit like Russia. But I'm well aware of some of the things that go on in Russia and China. Don't the oligarchs that you're talking about, and I see these people as a marriage in the Middle Ages. Well, not no, quite a bit later than the Middle Ages. The royal families of the world got together with the money families of the world, didn't they? There's evidence for this. And they married into one another. And it was out of that democracy came, because they realised that the great unwashed wouldn't put up with too much longer toiling on land owned by these kings and queens and money men and money women. So it was out of that that they gave us democracy. I mean, the UK is the most laughable situation in the world. People think in the UK they live in a democracy, a parliamentary democracy, but they don't they don't live in a parliamentary uh, democracy they have um they they we have a setup here where ultimately the queen is ultimately the head of state nothing can be done without the permission of the queen uh, to to speak in parliament to enter parliament uh, for the first time to take your seat there you have to swear allegiance not to the people of the country who elected you but to queen elizabeth II and and all her heirs it's not a, a, a democracy in any sense of the word so I, I would argue that the people you spoke about the, the, the gangsters, the banksters they look at China with envy they're, they're trying to import China here rather than antagonise China I think they look at it and think that's fantastic, we'd like to see China and raise it again to something even worse what do you think?
7: Well, uh, I, I don't see it quite that way. I, I do. Yes, I agree that they're trying to take away freedom in the West and make the West more like China in certain respects. Yeah, absolutely. That's correct. But just because they're doing that doesn't mean that they're friends with the Chinese leaders. You know, for a good comparison, look at the Nazis versus the uh, Bolsheviks in the run up to World War Two. The Nazis and the Bolsheviks were kind of mirror images of each other in a yeah. lot of ways. They were just you know, ruthless dictatorships run by Machiavellians, and they were driven by a desire to enlarge their uh, controlled land areas, uh, and they were revanchist in that they didn't agree with the settlement at the end of World War I. The Russians wanted a bunch of land that they felt had been stolen from them. The Germans wanted a bunch of land that they thought had been stolen from them. So even though both of these societies were very similar in the way they operated, they were both ruthless dictatorships, they had both gotten their bankster elites under control to a certain extent, Uh, there wasn't really a dime's worth of difference between them in most respects, and they went to war. Uh, yeah. You know, and Rene Girard, the great philosopher, pointed out that what we fight over—and he, he said rivalry is the basis of everything—you know, <laughs> because we're desiring creatures, we desire what our neighbor desires, and so we get in a fight over it. Uh, he, he said that ultimately, what we're fighting over is not our differences but our sameness. And so, the Western oligarchical elite that is erasing freedom in the West because it isn't efficient enough in the coming war with China they are going to fight the Chinese, even though in some ways their philosophies are similar.
0: Kevin Barrett is our guest. This is really interesting stuff. Truthjihad.com academic author, broadcaster. Kevin converted to Islam many years ago and speaks frankly about that and is very open about speaking about these issues. Um, Look, we could spend all day on this. the, The term I was looking for was constitutional monarchy, but my brain froze. And I keep trying to impress upon people in this country. A constitutional monarchy is not a democracy. It is not. The Queen is not some cuddly little figure sitting on a throne who takes the corgis out once or twice a day and turns up to open up the new post office. No, she isn't. I don't mean that she represents anything... Um, I don't mean that the Queen is pulling any strings, but the monarchy, but the seat of power itself, the City of London. Um, there's a lot to that. I wanted to ask you, Kevin, time flies when you're on. Very important to talk about this with you, being on the programme. After, it seems like forever, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, well, it seemed uh, like Benjamin Netanyahu's days were numbered as the Prime Minister of uh, Israel. But the man endures. What What's happening in that country? And would the would it make any difference to the people of Gaza if he was to be supplanted by by somebody else?
7: It's hard to keep track of what's going on in internal Israeli politics. It's very chaotic, and they're always sort of playing games and forming new alliances. Uh, Netanyahu may or may not be finished. I don't think if he leaves, it will make very much difference in the short run. Yes, he is personally responsible for a lot of uh, very nasty stuff. Uh, He called the conference in 1981 in Jerusalem, the JCIT, Jerusalem Conference on International Terror, that called for the next paradigm after the end of the Cold War, which they could foresee would be to make terrorism the new enemy of the West. And this was an excuse, of course, for the Israelis to demonize their enemies, the Arabs and Muslims, and to to trick the rest of the West into joining that war. So Netanyahu had a big role in that. And of course, he had a big role in 9-11. According to inside sources at Veterans Today, and of course these sources may or may not be right, but they say that Netanyahu personally smuggled the miniature nuclear weapons to New York that were used on the trade towers. I have no idea whether that's true, but it, I wouldn't put it past him. He was caught in Fink's bar bragging about how he was going to utterly smash and destroy American bleed-it-dry um, and and so he's, he's a piece of work, and of course he's just as racist and genocidal as uh, most of the rest of the Israelis, but that's the problem. The problem is that Israel is, by definition, a uh, Jewish state in a uh, Palestinian Arab land, so it's by definition genocidal. All they can do is erase the people that are there to make way for themselves, and they're going to keep doing that until somebody stands up and stops them.
0: Yeah, it's leaders, historically, certainly, genocidal. I, I agree with that. As for... The ordinary man and woman in Israel, I don't know. You know, I see, we we saw back in 2015, I think it was, maybe it was 2014. We saw those dreadful images of people putting out deck chairs while Gaza was being carpet bombed. And that's dreadful. And Israel's enemies grab onto things like that and, you know, use it as an example. Well, the Israelis are demonic lunatics. But I hear from Israelis from time to time and, they, of course, they don't agree with any of it. So I, I, I can't, I, you couldn't generalise it with the Israeli population, but its, it's leaders, um, certainly. As for the Netanyahu thing, look, nobody has criticised him any more than me on radio in this country or, or in any other country. I don't buy into this thing of him smuggling mini-nukes into America. I don't, but that doesn't mean I'm I'm right. I just don't buy it. I certainly wouldn't buy that he'd be charged with such a responsibility, and that he'd be stupid enough to be dancing up and down in a bar screaming about it. Um, So I just don't buy that for a minute. I don't buy
7: that's not what he was screaming about in the bar. That's a a different thing, right?
0: So he wasn't he he wasn't alleged to be bragging about about no no
7: in the bar. He was screaming about how or he was bragging about how Israel was going to bleed America dry until there was nothing left. Uh, and it would be just utterly destroyed because that's what we do, he said.
0: I take that with a pinch of salt. And I'd expect an academic of your standing, my friend, to take that with a pinch of salt as well. We have, there's enough things to, and I mean metaphorically, hang Netanyahu for, I don't believe in capital punishment. Um, I, I know Palestinians might say something else, but there's enough to hang him for without, you know, people making up stories. You have to see proof, don't you? I, I talked for years about the dancing Israelis. I mean, that's the most. Incredible bit of evidence that's ever been out there. I mean, it was even widely reported at the time that these guys were set up to take photographs of the planes hitting the buildings. And Jesus, I mean, that's an amazing story. Kevin Barrett is our guest. Truth Do check him out if you haven't before. I'm sure you you know who he is. What? what how? Have, why not, just to go back to COVID for a minute, because I, I'm aware that 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 your country is massive. And you've got 50 many countries, not many countries, 50 countries there. You've got governors, Republican governors in southern states seemingly taking on, you know, mask wearing and and, and this sort of stuff, which which, which looks good from the outside. What's the reality? I mean, in your own state of Wisconsin, Kevin, how is it there, uh, you know, in terms of what you're obliged to do, the vaccine rollout? How's it going there?
7: Well, Wisconsin is one of those purple states. It's pretty evenly split. It's a swing state in the elections. And we currently have a Democratic governor, Evers, who jumped on board the uh, pandemic response bandwagon early. Uh, Currently, though, then, of course, the Republicans sued him and knocked down the statewide mask mandate. So there's been some back and forth here, as you would expect. But right now, it kind of feels like things are opening back up. And yet, I, you know, I haven't been to Madison lately. Uh, Madison is the university town in the state capital. I was stationed there when I was getting my PhD. And uh, that's, of course, where I was when I got uh, dragged on Fox News as a 9 11 truth professor yeah. back in 2006. And so, Madison, which has plenty of fluoride in the water supply, this may or may not be related to the fact that everybody in Madison became a sort of a, a mask, you know, a bunch of mask lemmings and bought into the whole kind of uh, COVID lockstep uh, march, uh, the March of the the Lemmings. And some of them, I think, are still marching. I still see some masks on out here in Spring Green, which is an outpost of Madison people out in the area where I live. Uh, I, I can't believe that people ever were stupid enough to wear masks in public, unless, of course, they were in a thick crowd. And now, of course, the science tells us what common sense would have told us before, which is that there's virtually no COVID transmission period in in outdoors. So nobody ever should have even dreamed no. of wearing a mask outdoors. And the evidence on masks even indoors is pretty, pretty incremental. But so we still have this this political thing where the Democrats have been brainwashed into thinking that masks are a virtue signaling yeah, device yeah, yeah. that proves that they're not uh, Trump morons and and that hasn't gone away it happened here too
0: kevin it happened here it was turned into a political issue so you you could basically signal your preference for the right or the left by how you approached mask wearing that's how it's become here it's so simple and so totally unsubtle and yet people fall for it that level of manipulation what about pressure to take a vaccine now, you're a little bit, not much, a little bit older than I am. um. So presumably you've been offered a vaccine. Uh, whether you took it or not, that's up to you to tell me whether you took it or not. I'm not going to press you on it. But were you offered one and, you know, how how heavy are they leaning on people, do you think?
7: Well, you know, Richie, of course, health information is private, but I'm still going to bust out of the, the privacy and say, no, I'm I'm definitely not vaccinated and not planning to be. Yeah. In fact, I've been taking a religious exemption for vaccinations for the family and the children ever since a, a horrific incident with uh, with the vaccine. The one vaccine we gave one of our children was a, an absolute just dis- disaster, the, the worst decision I ever made in my life. We never talked so, about that,
0: Kev. I don't think yeah. we ever spoke about that. Do you want to... Elaborate on that for a moment. You know, not really, because it gets into
7: you know personal stuff. Okay, that fair I'd, enough. Uh, probably fair be better off not talking about. But I, I think you got the gist of it. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm I'm uh, after in, after that experience, I did some research and discovered that while it may be true that in some circumstances some vaccines are good public health policy from a statistical standpoint, I'm convinced that the pro-vaccine uh, propaganda has been way overblown. That is, in, in order to try to get this public health uh, bonanza from vaccines, the the pro-vaccine scientists and, of course, the people who make money off them have really leaned on the whole field. And so the what you hear from the establishment about vaccines is vastly better uh, f- for vaccines than the reality. It's one of those cases where entrenched special interests warp a discursive field. So what is said in that field is just not the reality. It's off way off to one side. So you have to just mentally correct to the other side. So anyway, that's my overall take on on vaccines and this COVID vaccine. um, I wouldn't necessarily oppose people 70 and 80 uh, who were not in great shape Uh, taking it. It might actually be the best decision for them. I'm not convinced that it doesn't work and I'm not convinced that it's going to cause everybody to kill over dead in a year. On the other hand, I'm not fully convinced that it won't. You know, we just don't know what the medium long term effects will be of this vaccine. And it's a it's human experimentation banned under international law, but they've rolled it out and they've disguised it. So overall, uh, I'm not a big fan of the vaccination program. On the other hand, uh, I'm not fully convinced by these arguments of people who make dire predictions about vaccines. The one that I'm worried about, though, is Vandenbosch. And others, uh, Luc Montagnier is also saying the same thing. They're saying that vaccination is going to drive uh, variants that will become more and more virulent and lethal. And if that happens, this pandemic will go on for a long time, which may be what the people behind
0: it want. It, you're you're very rare, you see, to to say that you're not convinced that the vaccines don't work. You're not supposed to say things like that when you operate in the independent media. Um, but see, I appreciate you. I appreciate honest people. You, you well, can, by the way, I'm not saying
7: they don't work, Richie. I'm no, just no, no, the, no. The I, I got you.
0: Perfect. I got you. 100% <laughs> I got you. What, what you were saying is you, you, you know, you, uh, you can't come down on, on, on either side. And that's, that's. It's very important that 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 people say that hugely important. And then you went on to say that, you know, people like Montagnier and others, and Van den Bosch have said, look, you, you've got to be very careful about this. It's very good. And I did mention when I asked you about your personal vaccination. Of course, you weren't obliged to answer that. And fair play to you, you did answer it. My my thing is exactly like yours, no, I won't have it. Risk versus benefit. I don't have any real risk from coronavirus. I know that there are a lot of, you know, what uh, what we call adverse effects f- from these vaccines already. We know thousands of people have died in Europe, several thousand in the United States. And I've heard from some very qualified people who believe that the, not just that the vaccines will drive the variants, but that the mRNA vaccines could, not will, but could lead your body to basically turn on itself, your immune system to be primed to basically attack itself when you're exposed to another coronavirus in six months or a year or two years. So I weigh all that up. I don't claim to know anything. I say I don't know if these doctors are right. But I'm always concerned when these doctors are banned from the airwaves. So taking all that into account and knowing the things that you and I know that we've learned over the years about these elites, I say, no, thanks. You can stick your vaccine where the sun doesn't shine. Now, I want to ask you. Yeah, go ahead, Kev.
7: Amen. I agree with everything you said. Absolutely.
0: And I wanted to ask you about, I know you can't speak for the UK's Muslims. I know you can't. But we, we hear on television news here that in ethnic minority areas where there are a lot of ethnic minority people or people of colour, right? They say that those people are much more reluctant to take a vaccine. Now, I... I've always maintained a few pals, going back years, people I met along the way in Manchester, um, p- people whose uh, lineage goes back to Pakistan, shall we say. And one of them, his name is Imran. Uh, and he's not having the vaccine. Either, most, I'm not having the vaccine. Uh, and I asked him about it and he was like, yeah, it comes down to the government and recent governments and the things that have been done in the Middle East, the things that are being done in Yemen, which, of course, the British government's got blood all over its hands. What happens in Gaza? British government, blood all over its hands. And young Muslims, I think, Kevin, I think they're aware of that. They're not immune to that stuff, no pun intended. And I think maybe some of that geopolitical stuff maybe explains why a lot of young Muslim men and women say, stick the vaccine. What do you think?
7: That could be, and I'm I'm actually glad to hear that because over here, you know, we get flooded with propaganda from the bought and paid for fake Muslim leaders. To be a you know promoted in the media as a Muslim leader, you pretty much have to toe the line and just do what they say, and you have to sell out to the Zionist lobby. So, uh, if judging from what we see in the media, it looks like the Muslim community in the West has knuckled under and is going ahead and getting vaccinated. But I I would suspect that you're probably right, that the percentages are are overall lower. I've had some Muslims on my radio show talking about this. Zeshan Shabazz has been on. He's been promoting some fatwas against the vaccine. I've been contacted by various people uh, recently. uh, A convert like myself getting a Ph.D. in Sufism, which, of course, is what I was studying, uh, contacted me about this. How do you get a religious exemption if you're a Muslim? And uh, I suggested talk about the prohibition on altering God's creation. And, of course, that doesn't mean any alteration whatsoever, but it means that a certain kind of alteration of God's creation is wrong. And the example in the Quran is slitting the ears of cattle, and that's been taken in the Hadith literature to apply to things like tattooing and uh, bodily mutilation. Uh, there are even some who argue that it applies to circumcision. This is the tiny contingent of Muslim anti-circumcisers. But in any case, that uh, command uh, to not overly alter God's creation it kind of fits with saying, look, the, the human immune system is amazingly intricate. You know, if you get into the literature on intelligent design versus Darwinism, you just find how incredibly improbable and intricate this uh, the mechanism of, of animals in general, and especially the immune system is. And so, messing with it in a kind of a, a, a cloddish way. You know, the, our, our, the scientists know so little, and they're slamming the uh, the, the uh, acquired immune system with this, uh, situ- basically it's telling your immune system there's something terrible is happening, quick, make some white blood cells. Because yeah. normally the innate immune system deals with anything before the the acquired immune system has to do anything. So you're telling your body, there's a horrific emergency, quick, make lots and lots of white blood cells for this one particular thing. That's a really uh, kind of broad uh, slam at the immune system. And it, it is altering the immune system in a very powerful way. And uh, so I argued that we should be very cautious about messing with uh, intricate and beautiful aspects of God's creation. And we should only do so when we know what they're doing. And they haven't. Yeah, they, they. this is still experimental. Do they really know what they're doing? I'm not convinced that they do.
0: No, I I don't believe they do. Or or maybe they do. Maybe it's worse. Maybe they know full well what they're doing to people. Um, because, you know, if Bakhti and kulldorf and all these other major players in academia, in epidemiological research, if they're saying they believe that this is going to happen, it stands to reason that those man- manufacturing these treatments, because we shouldn't call them vaccines, they're not, it stands to reason that those who are manufacturing them, they must know the possibilities too. And then you're into, you're into Dr. Evil, kind of James Bond territory. I love the idea of the Muslim um, gentleman or lady saying, no, because it's, you know, fundamentally messing around with God's creation. Ultimately, I suppose you'd want to use that argument to avoid being turned into some sort of second-class citizen. Because that's what the big fear is, isn't it, Kevin? The big fear is that those of us who say, no, thank you, I do not believe that this is necessary. I actually believe it might do me some harm. Therefore, no, thanks. I won't say our fear, I think it's inevitable that we're going to have a two-tier society where we're going to be precluded from taking part in lots and lots of different activities, right?
7: It could be, yeah. It's hard to tell how it's all going to shape up. It looks like there will be these so-called vaccine passports for air travel that you may be able to avoid by getting a negative test. You know, having something shoved up your nose into your brain, uh, which is a, I suppose a little better than than the needle for some people. But yeah, it looks like if you are vaccine refuse, Nick, you know, you're going to get that kind of treatment that the dissidents got in the former Soviet Union.
0: Tell us where, remind us, I should say, I've given truthjihad.com already. When can people hear you? I'll translate into English time. We're six hours ahead of you in Wisconsin. When and where can people get to hear the show, Kev?
7: Well, if you want to hear my live show, you have to stay up very late in the UK because it it broadcasts from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern time. So that's the middle of the night for you guys, which is why I have so few European guests on my live show. Uh, But I also pre-record and people can find all of the shows they can go to truthjihad.com and click on the radio schedule link. Uh, and Or they, could, they can visit the Patreon page by the Patreon link. Or you can just get me at noliesradio.org or at uns.com, unz.com.
0: Great to have you on as always, uh, Kevin. Thanks for doing it. Regards to Rabia and the family. And I look forward to the next time as usual.
7: Thank you so much, Richie. It's always good to talk
0: with you. Brilliant, my friend. Kevin Barrett, live from Wisconsin today. Truthjihad.com. Check him out. Check the radio show out. All the archived shows are on the website. as As I mentioned there, he does come on very late for us. UK people and you European people, but there you go. What time are we now? It's uh, is it a minute past six? Is it or a minute? Past, is it two minutes past six? It's coming up for two minutes past six. I will be joined shortly by Ryan Christian, the last American vagabond. That should be fun. Before we get there, I will read some of your comments. I will do that after this from Christopher Cross. Indeed, sweltering, sizzling, Salford. with me, Richie Allen, the BBG Hour Two begins right now. Keep those tweets coming in. BBG Richie, that's how to reach me.
2: Thanks to you, The Richie Allen Show is the most listened to independent radio show in Europe. Show your support for this unique broadcaster by making a regular financial contribution. Just the price of a cup of coffee each month will make a massive difference. Visit richieallen.co.uk for details.
0: And as you know, it's very, very rare for me to make an appeal for support, Uh, but I'm making one now if you don't mind. If you listen to this programme, you might be new to it. It's entirely listener funded. Uh, You don't donate to it. I'm not a charity. I work about 75 to 80 hours a week. Uh, you support it. I ask you to support it. It'll never be behind a paywall. You will never be compelled to pay for it. But if you like it and you listen to it, please support it. Do so by going to my website, richieallen.co.uk. You will find PayPal details and a bank account detail there. I think the last time I did this was months ago. Um, But it does require your continuing support, okay? So whether that's a couple of quid a month... Uh, It it might not seem significant to you, but it's very, very significant to me. So please support the programme. And I would say, whatever you listen to or whatever you watch, if it's listener supported, you should support it. You know, if you read Paul Craig Roberts all the time or if you have a podcast that you can't live without, you need to support it because we don't do advertising here. I don't. I get asked all the time, Richie, you brag about your numbers. I never brag about my numbers. I never brag about them. I let other people brag about them on my behalf. Uh, I don't do that. I don't do big-headedness. I've been doing radio for too many years. But yes, millions of people tune into this programme a month. And that should be sufficient to bring on about 500 different advertisers. I should be able to bankroll a television station But the problem is, of course, the content, the content, the content. Advertisers don't want to be associated with the content. So that's why you don't hear ads on the programme. So it's down to you. Please support it. If you can't afford to, think no more about it and ignore me. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. But if you can and you don't, you need to have a word with yourself. RichieAllen.co.uk And, as I said, bank account details and a PayPal account there. I'll say no more for another few months. I'll leave it to you. It's over to you. All righty. let me read uh, some of the uh, tweets as they come in. Hi to Hank. How you doing, Hank? Richie, you mentioned the England team giving the Hitler salute on yesterday's show. Uh, this is true, 1938. I should point out, though, that Stan Cullis, the great Wolves player, refused t- to do that and he was subsequently dropped from the team. Do you know what, Hank? I should have remembered that. I'd forgotten it. I-, I had read that before. Or else I'd watched a, a BBC programme about that particular time period but I had um, been told about that before but completely forgot about it Uh, well said Stan Cullis said no thank you and was subsequently dropped from the team hi to Colin Graney how you doing Colin Colin is at uh, God's country, God's country this evening. Number of you talking about crop circles on the program uh, uh, on Twitter. I'd love to get into that again on the show. So if you've got recommendations for me, experts, people who can speak very credibly on these subjects, please contact me through RichieAllen.co.uk. Please, God, help us. Let's 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 not talk about COVID all next week. Jez Hopkins says COVID the musical coming soon. That's a good tweet. COVID, the musical, coming soon. Be our guest. No, no. No, what was it? Be our guest? What was the song from Cinderella? Be our guest. Have the vax. Have the vax. Why don't you sit down and relax? Put that catheter around your arm, Cherie, and we'll stick you with the vax. I can't think of a rhyme on air. There you are. That's my contribution to COVID the musical. Have the vax. Have the vax. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Do you know who's um, just winged in? And I can't wait to chat with him again. Uh, Ryan Christian. So let's welcome him on to our programme. He is the founder and the host of the brilliant Last American Vagabond. If you haven't checked it out before, you, you've got to go there, thelastamericanvagabond.com. He's a terrific broadcaster and writer, and it's been quite a while. I think it was uh, January last time he was back on the programme. I'm dialing him up right now. We might have to take a quick tune. If we do, we do. Uh, but no, I think he's there. Let's welcome back Ryan Christian to the programme. Ryan, welcome. How are you?
2: I'm great, Richie. How are you?
0: Not too shabby. I just got done mentioning the website, which looks brilliant as usual, the broadcasting. It's uh, it's terrific. Let me ask you this. I've not asked this to any content creator at all. How difficult has it been for you to essentially, I know you write about everything. I know you do. But in the last 15 months, everything has come with a side order of COVID. If COVID is not the main course, how has that impacted on you? As a content creator, has it been difficult?
2: That's a really great question, Richie. It's funny no one's even no one's really centered around this. You know, I've been a, had a really big focus on foreign policy, and I still do, for that matter. I frankly find COVID nineteen to be, if not, if anything, completely tied up with you know nine eleven to today. The whole you know biosecurity state, as we see it today, applying to foreign policy, but. I was really and I really still am, but very passionate about what's going on in Palestine, what's going on to the Syrian people in Yemen and, you know, in the Bolivian election, things like this that really play a larger role into what is happening directly in our lives in the United States. But since COVID, since this COVID illusion really began, it's, it is aggressively pulled my attention away to something that I personally feel and I don't leave it up to everybody to come to their own opinion on it that this is the biggest thing happening in our lifetimes. This is literally the culmination of decades of collaboration and planning and think tanks that, that have really nothing to do with what Americans actually want or need, in my opinion, right? So it's very obvious how important this is to them and, and the larger agenda. So it clearly, right out of the gate, a lot of us were going, is this really what it looks like? I mean, this is really what we've been telling people is going to happen. And so then it pulled me away. And I've, Over the last so many months, really been trying. I mean, I, I, this is one of the main reasons, other than his fantastic work, that I brought on someone like Robert Inlakesh because he is doing a great job keeping up what I'm not getting to in regard to. He really does an amazing job. He's such a great journalist. Anyway, to sum it up, the point is that it has changed everything I do. You know, it's like we've had to stand back and really reflect on some of these issues we might have thought were fully defined and go, wait a minute, maybe there's much more to this story, whether that's what's happening in Syria or what's happening in Palestine or everything else. I mean, one good point to add to that, it's been documented even by Israeli journalists that Israel's government actively tests on Palestinians in either in war zones or just in occupied areas. Right. So we, and by the way, we've already shown that come out about testing in regard to vaccines as well, whether in prisons or in these areas, you know, yeah. so it, it all ties together.
0: Yeah, and if you don't believe that, by the way, dear listener, go to thelastamericanvagabond.com because it's all sourced. It's all there if you want uh, to check it out. And you, you make a brilliant point, of course, because Syria just didn't stop. And by, by, by didn't stop, I, I I mean that the agenda, the nefarious agenda to to replace uh, Bashar al-Assad with a puppet of, of their choice Um, what's happening in Yemen. None of that stopped, but yet focused. You haven't. You've managed to keep your eye on the ball. But for many of the rest of us, we've just got bogged down in coronavirus. So... Nothing ever happens without, for, for, no, for no good reason. So maybe the COVID thing is just a multiple faceted agenda or a multifaceted agenda. And maybe while we've been focusing on coronavirus, and I don't mean you, but I've almost exclusively focused on it. Um, things are going on in these countries that we maybe ordinarily would focus on, but haven't been focusing on. And maybe that suits the people behind these agendas.
2: Yeah well it's 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 exactly what you said but more of a means to an end yeah. right covid-19 is simply a tool by which they can achieve maximum outcome, right? I mean, like, you have to figure how many different things are coming together at one moment in time, right? I mean, we're talking about the vaccine passport infrastructure, which places like European Union have outlined all the way since 2018 to be executed exactly right now. What a coincidence, right? Or things like the artificial intelligence push, which is happening simultaneously, or even in regard to immigration, or these different things that are all kind of simultaneously being driven forward based on the idea that this thing, which their data shows you is basically the flu or less, that's their data, is so dangerous and fearful that we have to take these extreme actions because everyone's going to die. Simultaneously, while their data is showing, well, we should point out, and this is for people maybe that you know are, are rightly skeptical and should be even of my content or anybody else. There's been a 134 meta-analysis study of every single, 134 studies of every single study that's been done in regard to the infection fatality rate on COVID-19. I don't know. That, that is the best thing I can see anywhere right now That's combining all the information. They will tell you, combining all the data directly from the CDC and everybody else, that if you are a child, you have a point oh 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 two percent risk. If you're under 25 years old, you have 0.01% risk.
0: Yeah. What's wow.
2: the 1%. How are we possibly ruining people's lives based on that? And then and how can we argue that that is so dangerous that we have to ruin everything for that? It just doesn't make any logical sense.
0: Our mutual friend Spiro Scura sent me a link to a story written by Dr. Sanchari Sinaduta. You'll know this, of course, Ryan. Um, the Cleveland Clinic has found that if you've had coronavirus before, just, you really shouldn't have a vaccine at all. Right. Uh, and, and, and this is genuine. These are genuine people, the Cleveland Clinic. These are what what you would call mainstream scientists. But I, I suppose, again, we're back to the same old chestnut. People won't find this stuff out because it's not going to be on CNN tonight.
2: Yeah. Well, and the bigger point within that is that, so they're what they're saying, if I understand, remember it correctly, is that they there's dangers of having the vaccine after having this. That was discussed before this ever came out. But there's another part of that. Both the NIH... And multiple, I think at least maybe three, but I know for sure two different studies have come to the very clear conclusion that you have lasting immunity after the natural issue of this, right? So that's clear, the NIH, as well as one that says it's in your bone marrow, which pretty much can last the rest of your life. Uh, Simultaneously, we're talking about how we don't know the long lasting of the injection or or, or the fact that we know immunocompromised people don't have immunity at all or on and on and on, or it doesn't stop transmission. So the the sidestep is to argue you know, that we need to take this injection that doesn't have the same things that we've already proven the natural does. Then you're at risk, even if you've had it before. They're ignoring all of this stuff or, you know, all of these problems. And, and to your point that, yes, nobody would know that because the media will censor anything that leads against the narrative, even if it's true, as Facebook was even caught for We know that. They call it vaccine hesitancy. That doesn't mean it's false. It just means that it causes you to be hesitant about being injected. That's
0: right. That's right. There there, there is a bit of pushback against Facebook here. Some of our broadsheet national newspapers have been asking the question, quite rightly, how can Facebook or why should Facebook be allowed to delete the opinions of certified experts? It's one thing to say, you know, it's one thing to say, uh, well, this guy, Ryan Christian, you know, he might be a good writer and he might be a very good broadcaster. But ultimately, he doesn't have a PhD in virology. Now, I'm not saying they should say that, but if they want to say that. But it's another thing to say that um, Martin Kulldorff's opinions should be erased from Facebook. Harvard uh, University professor. So at least in the UK, some pretty heavyweight journalists are saying, hang on a second, what's going on here? I wonder where this will lead though. Will it lead anywhere? Will Facebook be punished in some way? Is it possible to punish them, you know?
2: Well, it depends on the momentum of the agenda. You know, it's like we can see it kind of tapering right now, where people are starting to ask questions. The lab discussion is now being allowed, and you know, it's like yeah. slowly tapering. But in the middle of it, no, I would argue, no way. There's not it, they would have disparaged those experts like they had been. But we see the thing tilting in a new direction. So who knows where it's going to go? I, if the very best, in my opinion, because there's there there's honesty's not in there. Their wheelhouse, they will probably throw a couple people under the bus like they're doing to agree with Fauci and keep moving forward as best they can. You know, it, that, that's the bet. But, it, but, to censor an expert yeah. especially coming from facebook let's make let's be clear about this facebook or at least they didn't until a last few months ago or twitter or instagram they don't have on hand experts to engage in this stuff no. they're basing it off of a narrative that they've decided is true based on what they're telling you they've listened to in regard to experts
0: yeah they but have geeks they have so geeks ahead. they have geeks that's what they have they have geeks <laughs> <laughs> exactly
2: exactly and then they just go, well, but, but you know what? I question whether that's even the case. I, I argue that they're not even caring what anybody says. No. They've already decided what the, the fit narrative is. And if you challenge that, you're deleted. And they feel comfortable with that because that's what your government's doing right now. Right? Mi- so they don't care. They feel safe.
0: They feel, my mind was blown last night. I, I was interviewing a doctor on the program last night. And again, Spiro winged in with a bit of information. Um, my doctor friend, Dr. Rima Label, Rima said, Richie, DARPA has been working on vaccines that you would give the vaccine to person one and you don't need to give it to person two, three and four. Person one will transmit the vaccine. So, you see, I do live a very sheltered life over here. I I, I work alone and I don't know much of this stuff. That's why my programme at least if it bores everybody else, it interests me, Ryan, because I learn this stuff every day. And so Spiro sent me the information. It turns out to be absolutely true. For some years now, they're working on vaccines that, well, you don't have to worry about Nix. Why do you need to worry about Nix? Just give it to 10 or 15 people and the rest of the population will get it. Again, I mentioned in the first hour to my previous guest, this is Dr. Evil stuff. This is James Bond villain stuff. Crazy stuff, this. How can they get away with that?
2: They, as always, they say it's to keep you safe. That's all. That is always the way it goes. This is for you. It's for your best interest, right? And now maybe there's some people that actually believe that in that in that situation. But at some level, there's somebody knowing that there's far more purpose to this than simply doing what's best for you, if at all, right? But you know, it kind of down to your last points again is you know, you know, yeah, Spiro and I can talk about this stuff, and I'll go. I'm gonna go into it next and tell you there's a lot more than just that. But the fact that they're telling people that have a PhD and expert that have done this for their entire lifetime that they can't have an opinion on this oh, needs yeah. to show you the entire narrative for what it is. Well, they can be wrong, by the way. Maybe they are. But at what point did we decide they weren't allowed to express that opinion as an expert just because it challenged what some experts said was the main point? That is just so shocking to me, you know. But the, And this is exactly the main point. It's something just like this. You can have something like self-spreading vaccines. That is a easily verifiable topic. Yeah. There's studies about it. There's mainstream discussions about it today, even going back further. But it's important people to understand before they reflexively say fake news. This began as a, con- a conversation about how to in- in- inoculate animals. So how do we in- how do we inoculate animals and get them to spread amongst themselves? You know without risking humans. I don't know how we would know that. We always assume certain things. Yeah. But then yeah. the idea is to prevent zoonotic transfer. But understand, even within that point, there's plenty of experts that disagree wholeheartedly with the concept of zoonotic transfer. Different conversation, though. So they say we're going to do this and we're going to test this. And they've been testing it for a long time. Now, the argument of why it's relevant today is the people that they wouldn't know this because they won't listen to people like us is that Johns Hopkins University has put this out as a next step discussion. They put this out in 2018. If you could look at right on their big document. It says self-spreading human vaccines. And of course, they argue briefly. Well, of course, informed consent disappears, but, you know, we don't care about that. We'll go on to explain why this is necessary. But, you know, what about the person that gets it once and then gets it again and gets it again and gets it again? I mean, there's so many arguments to why that doesn't make sense. And there's plenty of experts screaming about that. But they're, they're already arguing why that's the necessary step. But there's something else involved in this. It's not just self-spreading. There's an entirely dis- another discussion here that nobody's really talking about, which is called self-amplifying mRNA vaccines. Very two different things, but in the same kind of wheelhouse of discussion. Now, one is a vaccine that can be given to one person and then spread like a virus to other people and inoculate them, so we're told, mm-hmm. and then spread on and on and on. Now, self-amplifying injections, which I argue is the current Pfizer vaccine, even though they don't say that it's in their own scientific, it's in scientific studies that have already talked about it. What that means is that instead of giving you one spike protein or the directions for it, as it says, it continues to produce spike proteins. Now, anybody paying attention right now can tell you why that's alarming, because of all the science that's come out showing you that the spike protein alone can not only cause thrombosis, blood clots, heart attacks, but can also literally cause disease, disease, Right. So if you're now using something that's continuing to populate these in your body, that seems ridiculous. Then add to the fact that the, one of the, co, the people involved with creation of mRNA just spoke out on Twitter and told us all that, yeah, this spike protein alone can shed from your skin. Yeah,
0: that's we that's also different.
2: have studies that say that as well. So think about the think about the, the meaning of that. So if this can jump from body to body and the spike protein alone can cause disease and the expert himself is saying, yeah, that's clearly something that can happen. And then you have something continuing to produce it. You create a situation where you're just this endless level of passing on illness that can't be really diagnosed. Does this not sound familiar or prescient to everybody out there? I mean, it should.
0: Yeah, it's mind blowing because my natural instinct is to argue with you and say this is not happening. Um, but, But I can't. Because I have that, all
2: the documentation, and that's well, I know you have, and, and I've seen don't, it. Yeah. I know you know that. For people out there listening, yeah. don't trust me. Look at the science that I'm producing for you, and come to your own conclusions about it.
0: I, imagine, so, so they're five, six, seven chess moves ahead of everybody else. You know, they they understand that the independent media has been successful in alerting maybe millions of people around the world to certain agendas, right? You, you've been part of it for a long time and your colleagues, you've done a great job. People that have come on this programme uh, as well. I've platformed people that have been doing this for years. So they accept that people are awake, or I hate to say awake because it's such a cliche, aware up to a point of what's going on. So they've already got plans. They've got contingency plans for people becoming aware. T- things like this that are so horrible, I can't even say it out loud. We will... Introduce self-spreading vaccines. I mean, Jesus, yeah. Ryan, this is just. What do you say to that? And you're right. I I'd love to just jump in and go. Ah, come on. You're making you're adding two and two together. You're you're coming up with ten. There's no proof of it. I can't because I saw the Johns Hopkins stuff. After learning this yesterday, I went online this morning to look for it. It's all out there. yep,
2: All right. I mean, just some anybody out there. Just simply type in self-replicating mRNA or or RNA. You'll 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 find a thousand different studies about this going back a decade. You know, and it's it's they discovered. Self-replicating mRNA in 1990s, I believe, and that's that was the first thing they discovered. And why is that not discussed? And why now are we talking about yeah. a single version? You know, there's a lot of questions. But the point is, all of this is out there. They want you to think. what well, I think Forbes and I think it was CNN. I don't know. The, a couple different outlets of mainstream media came. One said, "You don't do you know your own don't do your own research." That's what conspiracy theorists do. The other one said, "Critical thinking is a problem for you when it comes to science." And they, they literally are telling you, "Don't think for yourself." You know, and it, this is what they want from you, you know, and, and to, your, to your point a mo- moment ago, it's it, I, I see it as a, something like a QAnon or RussiaGate. You know, I usually use that as analogy or my point there, because those were two examples at a time when it was so readily apparent that people were desperate for something outside the middle. They yeah. wanted to, they, that, that was the big year of everyone talking about the anti-establishment candidate. That's why Trump basically ran on that platform. He ran as like talking about 9-11 and the Fed and all these different things. He was tapping into that. Clearly, he wasn't that. But so we can see people are thirsty for it. So they had QAnon and RussiaGate. What did those two things co- amount to, from different sides trusting the government?
0: Can I ask you That's- this, Ryan? Can I ask you this? Is it is it feasible that the likes of PizzaGate and QAnon were were deliberately concocted as stories? To be so fantastical that the public would laugh out loud at it. I'm not saying, by the way, that satanic paedophilia hasn't gone on or doesn't go on. I've learned a lot about it over the years. But it, if I was, if I was running an agenda, I would say put out these stories that appear to be absolutely crazy that people will laugh at. So then, when you are putting out self-spreading vaccines uh, and stuff like that, if it does get out into the public domain, yeah, people just won't believe it.
2: That's a great point. And, I'm, and by the way, I'm glad you said that about the, you know, whether satanic or not, by the way. Very, very valid points you made yeah. about Hollywood and the government. I've talked, I covered this for years. But that's a, I make that point all the time in regard to just media. Like, you know, for instance, here's a good example that is people that even still, I make this example, despite how much of it has later come to be pretty honest, is remember when, the, when X-Files came out with this new version, this new, you know, series or yeah, whatever. I, don't know, I think yeah. it died off after that. But they had this, this opening episode. It was just it was just a joke. It was basically Mulder and this scene just kind of lays out like the agenda in the the context of the show. But it was like, I mean, swear to God, is if you got if you got everybody in this community to sit down and and they list off like the 15 most relevant, verifiable things that are being driven for in the government and agendas and, and they just rattle it off. And tie it all together in a pretty good, like you could literally argue what he discusses is pretty good analogy of what's happening. And my point was, why did they do that? Why would they list it all out there? my opinion is because they want next time we discuss these things and say, hey, this is happening, this is happening, and here's the proof. They go, ah, oh, you saw that on X-Files.
0: I think you're brilliant. And, and I'm telling
2: you, that happens at everywhere.
0: My late great friend, I never interviewed anybody as many times as I interviewed Jim Mars. Over 10, 11 years, I got to know Jim. Rest in peace, God rest his soul, Jim Mars. Jim would absolutely double stamp, indoor. I know you know all about Jim, would have, would have double stamped what you said there. He said the same thing to me back in the late 90s. Jim yeah. uh, sorry the late yeah. noughties he said Richie they do that uh, that predictive programming so then when it does happen exactly as you said it right and I know it's your own idea so that they so that p- people go I give over that was a film that was a, a cartoon that was a tv show yes right. they're cute this, they're not they're not geniuses these people but they're not stupid either
2: this is why you will but maybe not shock. maybe some people will be shocked to find out that the Pentagon is involved in movies like Toy Story. Yeah. is It's like there's no a, idea about, it and you wow. find out they're giving you propaganda in there, you know?
0: I didn't know that. So, so the Pentagon funds some of these movies for children.
2: Oh man. If you, God. If, if, I, I wish I had it in front of me. I would, I would give you the link, but there's a, a, a good, somebody did a good compilation a while back of, you know, all the Hollywood movies that came out in a given year. And here are the ones that had funding coming from some sort of like defense or intelligence or military. And it would blow your mind. I mean, things that have literally nothing to do with even the smallest context of military or war or anything like Toy Story, you know, like you maybe argue that like the part where they're playing with toy soldiers, whatever. But you can realize that in that in there, it's the money is coming because and it's not even secret. They're using it to, let's say, promote a positive view of the military or whatever. That's propaganda. That's what it is.
0: It makes me sick that one of my favourite films of all time is Top Gun. It makes me sick. I mean, it, <laughs> I was old enough to go to see it in a cinema. When it came out, I was 14, I think. At, at 13 or 14. We were allowed to go and watch it anyway, even though it might have been 15. And, uh, yeah... And I love it, you know. And we all do the stupid scenes from it. We can all quote from it, but it's a it's a U.S. Navy movie. It is. It? Well,
2: you know, we all have it, man. We all have those movies. Like I have movies yeah. that I love that I would never even say on the show right now. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. but we know them, you know. Like like even like for instance, here's a good example from a music side of it. I grew up in. There's a lot of music that I grew up with because of my father. That I like the doors for me were so influential and so like just you know opened my mind to things. But I've you know I had my Laurel Canyon investigation moment where I realized that you know what these groups for the, possibly really were and on and on and on. But you know it's hard for you to then just dis, just ignore yeah. how how quintessential it was in your life when you were growing up before you knew that. You know it's it's one of those hard moments.
0: We are speaking with the one and only Ryan Christian, thelastamericanvagabond.com dot com. Go to the website; you'll get the links to everything, to the broadcast, to the art terrific stuff on there. Why, just to, just to jump around, because I love jumping around with you because you, you can uh, talk about anything. I love having you on. What, what, what do you think is behind the Pentagon, the US government releasing videos of unidentified flying objects and talking uh, about those things? Oh, I love that because this kind of obviously fits in with what we've been discussing so far. What's really going on there, do you think?
2: Yeah, that's, you know, obviously I'd be speculating, but it's, it's, my gut tells me and it always has i mean look first we should start off by saying like i have if what we know about space and and i always say that even regards vaccine technology if what we know about it is true it's a big if because i don't know why we would trust what we get from authority you know going how far back or not but taking to face value what we think we know about space and so on i think it's a pretty obvious argument to say like mathematically speaking that there's probably something It it almost seems impossible mathematically for there not to be. But that being stated, and I'm not saying I necessarily believe that, I'm open to it. That being stated, why we would trust that the government, first of all, would be some kind of conduit between us and them. (laughs) And I say that because of the way Israel was bringing this up, remember? Israel's government literally stated that they're in touch with some kind of galactic institute. What do they call it? A galactic Federation or something, and that the only reason they weren't really coming forward is because they thought we weren't ready. And I made the joke, like, gee, they're in contact with the Israeli government. I wonder why they're not they think we're not ready. But the point is that they're coming out with this stuff, and now we got all these weird little blips and they're oh look, there's aliens here, and no Navy flight catches this. That's been happening for 30 years. I mean, we have members of governments and ex-presidents who've come out and literally stated that this is – no. we know this. It's always been there. There was a NASA scientist that like 10 years ago stated unequivocally that there were spaceships being using fuel from like Jupiter's rings. These things are all on record. You can look this stuff up. So it's
5: like –
2: so why now? That's always my first inkling. Why now would this pump out? Now, obvious reasons. Like, what do they not want us paying attention to why did the fauci emails slip out in a very obvious way from the washington post they don't the, the vaccine push and what's going on around this the great reset and all the things they're trying to achieve are in peril right now I, that's my opinion now i think that they're going to come out with something if they need to i mean look people in your audience are probably familiar with the discussion like the blue beam project blue beam yeah, discussion yeah. it's not a hard thing to real to, to under to theorize that they could create a situation that could cr- make people think that The world as we know it has now shifted, and hence we need some kind of new direction. If that doesn't align with the Great Reset and what they're trying to do, I don't know what will. But I don't know. Who knows what's really happening? But that's my first instinct.
0: Really good, this. Yeah, I mean, who who's to say that somebody hasn't suggested? Because these people are crazy. Maybe around a table discussion, somebody has suggested to, I don't know, one of the shadowy figures who controls these agendas. Maybe somebody said, why don't we, in order t- for them to take the medicines we want to give them, why don't we tell them that there's a presence Um, here or coming here and we're allergic to it or something and we need to take uh, a series of shots. You just don't know. You know, maybe somebody suggested that. Maybe somebody else said, no, that's too ridiculous. We we can't possibly get away with that. But here's an interesting tweet now. Speaking of programming, here's a really interesting tweet from David. We get uh, obviously a lot of tweets during the live show and I should be reading them out. I apologise for not doing it. But I'm listening to Ryan. I'm gripped. I don't want to be interrupting him. Uh, David says, why would the adrenochrome addicts ever admit to their depravity. How did Monsters Inc. ever get funded or made? It seemed like a huge whistleblow. Now, before you answer this, uh, Ryan, I'm in Salford, a uh, famous old city in the northwest. We are a mile and a half from Manchester. And I run past a vaccination centre every day. I go jogging every day. I'll say jogging. That's more honest than running, right? I used to run, now I jog. In a few weeks' time I'll be walking quickly. That's how it goes. So I'm walking. I'm jogging this morning and I should have photographed this. and I will tomorrow. I'll photograph it tomorrow. On a big green... There's a big green box at the side of the road and it's an electricity... It's something to do with electricity anyway. Somebody has painted adrenochrome, they're coming for your children. Now a lot of people believe this. A lot of people believe that paedophiles... Uh, not just paedophiles, but but certain people in certain power structures that they've got um, th- th- a- an interest in children sexually, but also in their blood. Now, I have, I can't say I, I do agree or don't agree with any of this. I just don't know. But uh, people have said to me over the years, including my old pal, uh, David Icke, he said that Monsters, Inc. thing, that's a big red flag for an agenda. So when you hear things like Adrenochrome, what do you think?
7: Yeah, and you
2: know Richie, this is why I respect what you do because you're willing to say I don't know. You I know, know a how clue. few People actually say I don't know today. Not it's too shocking many. To how few people do that?
0: Yeah, yeah, not but a clue.
2: It's, it's, well, and, and that's and that's the truant, though. Is that I, that's where I would say too. You know, I've I've researched quite a lot of this, and I would say that I'm not really convinced that this is as what the community would argue it is like the full breadth of it. But look, yeah. the discussion of this, oh, and I would say specifically, make sure it's clear on this, that that, I wouldn't say that that, that that's when you get into the satanic discussion. Yeah. That's what that is. Right. But, it, but so for people that may not know, I mean, the idea is that you have a, 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 a gland in your brain that produces adrenaline that can be pulled and they, they make references to this in uh, fear and loathing and different books and, you know, Huntress Thompson stuff that you could you know essentially have that and have direct adrenaline which I don't know why that doesn't make sense. Let's just be clear. Like I've never actually proven that this is something that – like. but there's people that argue that's just not possible and so on. But why doesn't it? It seems like an obvious thing. It's adrenaline and that would have an effect in your body. So anyway, the argument is that people would do this and harvest this from children or anybody for that matter. Yeah, that's now, right. The, my point would be always, always, is that possible? Well, obviously that's possible. So why would we dismiss this out of hand because it sounds like something that we don't want to know about? You know what I mean? Because yeah. people hear this and they go, that's crazy. Why is it crazy? Is it unlikely? Sure. But for us to – this has become this problem with today's society. We've allowed them a scapegoat to say conspiracy theory and dismiss anything that they don't like. You know, So it's possible clearly. Now, when you get into the real discussion about like the satanic ritualism that's been around in this country that dates back to groups, in fact, our government themselves, but groups tied to our government for a long time, satanic ritualism is very easy to find, including people that we can even point to. I'm not going to get up to a very strong, you know, long point, but that these people have practices that, that speak and historically point to things just like that. Ritual sacrifice, things like this. So I just think it comes to a point to where... There are topics that we're not like. For instance, think of the crossover right now. We can verifiably show that people have died from taking this injection around COVID nineteen. Norway proved it. There's all sorts of things, but that's fake news on the on Twitter. So that says something. Why is adrenochrome discussion reflexive fake news? I Why agree. is the vaccine fake? News? Because maybe there's something there.
0: Absolutely brilliant. So you, you summed it up. I don't know whether there's anything to it or not. I really don't. Um, but but I'm interested in it. I'm also interested that. Well, no, I I, want to move on to talk about other things in the time we have. But yeah, what, what they will do about things like Adrenochrome is they will find a content creator who is known for putting out clickbait stuff and I'm not going to name any names I'm not going to name any names but we we, we know there are people who do that like we know there are people who make ups we know that 5G is potentially very harmful for people we know that I know that because Dr Christopher Busby and others have told me experts in this field they say Richie it's potentially very dangerous like your good self uh, Ryan they don't come on here and say it's going to kill you it's going to kill everybody no they don't they say this is potentially deadly and no human impact studies have been done it's potentially very harmful for some people we know this problem is in the independent media some content creators to draw attention to themselves will tell very tall tales about 5G. And the problem that, that you get with that is that drowns out the moderate voices or the real journalists who want to get to the bottom of it. And I think it's the same with the adrenochrome. You know, the the ones that yeah. get amplified are the people who you know, got into QAnon and and, and Pizza and you know, Donald is a great Donald Trump's a great light worker, fighting in the trenches against the deep state and all that nonsense, in my opinion. And and then those who want to kind of explore it are, you know, kind of laughed at and ridiculed and mocked. But no, it's a very good point that. I will I will point yeah. out that Stephen King's book Doctor Sleep, the sequel to the shining, when you when you speak about Adrenochrome, I read the book, the sequel. I haven't watched the film with um with the Swedish actress Ferguson and and you and Ewan McGregor but it's very similar to Adrenochrome. It's a group of people wandering around, terrorizing children to extract steam from the kids and again, you're into programming, and I wonder and what's going on and are they, are they trying to hide the agenda um Ryan Christian, the last vagabond the last American vagabond, how dare I the last american vagabond dot com is live on the program today. great to have uh, him on Here's a depressing question. You don't have to answer this we can We can move right on um maybe this whole two-tier society where the vaccinated are going to have freedoms and those who choose not to are going to be kind of out in the cold for a time. Maybe in the short term, there's not going to be very much we can do about that. But it it doesn't necessarily mean that we will lose the overall war. I'm saying, are we going to take a few licks, Ryan? Are we going to lose a few battles in the short term, maybe?
2: Yeah, that's. I think that's inevitable, regardless of what we're talking about. You know, when you're going up against somebody who will... Who, who nothing is sacred for, right? Your life doesn't matter. The law doesn't matter. They will sacrifice anything to achieve their end. Yeah, of course. You know, when you're dealing with somebody who's back into a corner, they're going to lash out. So we're gonna get something. You know, I mean, and to speak directly to what you're talking about, if we're talking about the vaccine passports and the restrictions of your liberties and things going forward, I mean, that's already happening, right? Yeah. We're living that right now. So it's like we are gonna. It's 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 kind of like the classic cliche. You know, it, it gets darkest before the dawn. They're going to keep pushing, and and I. The, Argument should be that the only reason it's becoming so dark and they're attacking so much is because we're having an effect, because people listen to your show, Richie, because they're aware that there's more to this conversation. And I mean, a good example, a good example, this is why they keep lying about the percentages of the injections. Sixty percent of this country has not been has not taken both vaccines. So this is the majority. They don't want you to realize that. So they want you to They keep framing us as this fringe conspiracy theorist in your mother's basement situation, yeah. yet simultaneously able to overcome the entire medical apparatus right there. It's fake news taking over. It's if it, it, they're so desperate to get past this that they're going to lash out. So, yeah, I think it's going to get bad, but we need to realize that this is all it means to an end. You know, it, it, what's nothing worth fighting for is ever truly easy. You know, it's always difficult. That's what freedom is. It's it, it's it's struggle. It's it's you know it's hardship. That's what we have to fight for. If we just thought freedom was something you just woke up one day and picked up off the table, then it wouldn't be something you really fought
0: for, would it? No, it you know? wouldn't. It's- Do you know who I feel really sorry for? I feel sorry for people who might take it anyway. You know, I, I I I I'm sure you've heard from people. You've you've been around. The Last American Vagabond is very well established. You've got a very big readership. There will be people who read you. And they will know that these injections are potentially harmful, but they might have, they might be split up from their wife or their husband, and um, right. they might have a child overseas, they might have a mum or a dad who's living overseas and is in is in their senior years, and they might have to bite the bullet. I dr- I feel dreadfully sorry for those people. My own um, uh, partner Caroline is not going to have. The vaccine, under any circumstance, the injection I should say she will not have it um she she knows the score, Ryan, but her mum and her sister she's she, from from a small family they're in France, and she knows by not having it. That's the end of that. A very good friend of mine his his wife is overseas in Eastern Europe, and he's not been able to see her. And um, for weeks on end, he can't get into the country to see her unless he can provide evidence that he's been vaccinated. Now, I don't think he will take, you know, take the, the, the consequences and, and have the, the medicine anyway. But how many people know what's happening and might have to say, oh, give it to me anyway. I'll take my chances. It's unimaginable to me, this.
2: It is. It's it's just horrifying. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, whether you're in the US, UK or anywhere, how is this where we are? I mean, this is this is exactly what we said was this that, that was leading to. And it's exactly what the very people who are now saying it's normal were telling us would never happen. They know that. They, they're not crazy. They can look back and realize that they said they'll never make you do this. Here we are. Right? It's I mean, this is a great Derek Bros just wrote an article today for the for the Last American Vagabond about nurses in Houston. He personally interviewed them, video and everything, and 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 goes over how. They are being forced right now to take the Johnson and Johnson of all things, which has been clearly linked to blood clots, telling them to take this injection or they're going to be fired because they say that it's been proven extremely safe and very effective. That's what they that's what the doctors at the, or rather the administration says, right? The ones that don't are, are less experts than the people yeah. that are firing for not taking this. But the, the crazy part is they're they're. Standing up for themselves they're telling them they're not going to do it they're going to lose their jobs that's illegal it's an unapproved experimental anything can't be injected or take forced on anybody it's it's it's, a, it's the law they don't care about the law. The craziest part to your point is there are women that Derek spoke to who they were they were doing prayer circles because they just came back out and they took the injection because they didn't have the luxury of resisting they had to, the job they had to have a job because of their children or yeah. bills or medic whatever and so they feel like they they were forced to do it because they had to pay their bills and now they're worried they're going to have these very nurses were literally moments ago dealing with people who just got the injection and had side effects they all see it they're the ones telling us look everyone else who already got this most of them are at home right now sick and you're forcing us to take this like it's nothing about this is right
0: it's unconscionable it's It's unconscionable to face having to take the injection or be out on the street with your children it's your that's unconscionable choice. Spe- it's always your choice. S- speaking of uh, I'm going to mention thelastamericanvagabond.com again you're listening to Ryan Christian we've got about five or six minutes left uh, like like, like the first I've been blessed today with two great guests it's flown by today and it's been incredibly interesting speaking of um, the great Spiro Skouras check him out folks on youtube.com look for Spiro's channel Spiro uh, like, like I, I think like you and, and I think like me you know we don't deal in absolutes we don't, we, we deal in asking questions and not claiming to know everything. Spiro tried to debunk the whole magnet thing didn't he where oh, yeah. and um, he, he tried it on, on, on some people maybe on one person and eventually the magnet stuck to somebody and Spiro as anybody would do went wow that's interesting and within a very short period of time Snopes some guy yeah. from Snopes tried to, you know, basically paint Spear as some sort of raving lunatic, which he isn't. So that's very interesting. Do you want to pick up that story? I thought it was fascinating yesterday.
2: Yeah, funny enough, I already emailed I already messaged him yesterday. And I was like, dude, I'd love to. I, w- I want to have him on and have him show the video. Like, it, it, Spiro does an outstanding job, and, yeah. I, and I'm so glad that he's back at it right now because he is a really, he was a he is a really important voice in this COVID nineteen sphere. You know, he he. So he told me he did he did a. Uh, a test on a bunch of different people a lot of them didn't work which doesn't necessarily i mean you're talking about i i would argue if it, this is what we're talking about and it's like whatever the magnetized nanoparticles which are clearly being used which I, i've shown on my show or or something else it's happening to a degree and so he tested on i think it was 10 different people different people different times wasn't working then he had the one guy that had just gotten it didn't tell him what he wanted he came over and he did it and it stuck yeah. so this is the person we know spiro who's wildly objective filmed it himself with his own camera at his own house and watched it happen this is not something we can dismiss anymore so no. the que- but here's the important thing it, it doesn't just because it happened it doesn't then prove the vaccine did it doesn't prove there's a microchip it simply adds to the, the information it seems likely it's the vaccine or the injection that's what i would think it makes the most sense the magnogenetics and all that but we just need to be careful we don't jump to conclusions but what does that suggest that there's something one going on that we don't know about yeah. and two that there's that there's uh Processes within these injections, like the, what the technology they're using, that they're hiding from us. That I mean, that's why I talked about the Pfizer self-amplifying discussion, or the magnogenetics and the nano, the magnetic nanoparticles, and it's all very clear. So I would love to talk to Spiro about that, but I think that's a conversation we need to dig into further and what it really means.
0: No doubt. And as you said yourself, wildly objective is a very kind and, and accurate way to describe him. He set out to try and debunk it, ironically. He's just, yeah. um, he's just got back to me to say, it's actually two out of 10 people. So again, Ryan has explained this very succinctly. I don't have to repeat what Ryan said, but you know that maybe some people who have had one of these injections, they become magnetic, whether temporarily or momentarily or for a while, who knows but it, it, it might be the case nobody's making any claims whatsoever but we're always fascinated when you've been around a bit, like Ryan has and like I have, we're fascinated at how quick somebody comes out of the woodwork <laughs> to go after him and call him, you know a crazy conspiracy theorist. Snopes let's, of yeah. all people. Yeah, <laughs> Snopes! Snopes. Let's, not, let's not forget that Spiro had a thriving uh, Twitter account with tens and tens and tens of thousands of uh, followers and it was deleted. I think your uh, Twitter account was deleted too and you good many followers there as well
2: yeah, about 40,000, I think. Now, nice. And now I'm back up to five or six with my You're All Dunces account.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable, isn't
2: Twitter, it? Twitter just del- or YouTube just deleted the channel for the third time.
0: For the ter- for the third time. And what I appreciate about you, and I really do, because I have been a huge critic of the independent media. I've, n- I've never done that to try and draw attention to myself. I've never had to do that. I'm an old school radio producer going back years and years. But um, I, 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 I get so cheesed off when content creators try to make the conversation about themselves and not about the actual news and you don't do that nor do any of your writers it's very important but um and and when you got deleted no it's really important when you got deleted you, you you always point out hey look I got deleted today and uh you know somebody else has got deleted somebody else has got deleted and I see you speaking out all the time against people who you disagree with getting deleted it's very important to say that you know we've got People over here like Tommy Robinson, who I just don't like at all. He's a football hooligan. He might have some interesting opinions from time to time, but he's not a nice man. I don't like him. I think he's a race baiter, to be honest, and I don't like race baiters. But I would never deny the man the right to speak. And when he was kicked off Twitter and YouTube and Facebook, and when he was de- delisted by PayPal, I said, this is not acceptable. And I'm not virtue signaling here either. You speak? Yes. You believe in <laughs> let them speak, and you know, let them come on this program, and we'll have a good row with them we'll argue with them, and we'll try and prove them right. wrong, but now these these are you know these are weird and wonderful times. I think you're in a better place where you are for now. Uh, I can tell you this: independent content creators in the u k we're in trouble next year and the year after right they're yeah. they're going to try and regulate us pretty quickly, and I don't mean me, I mean us all of us they're going to say you've got to have a license, you've got to be regulated. And of course, if we do, that leaves us open to, um, to being censured, where they can say, ah, your last program, Mitchie, you left, uh, you, you allowed that Ryan Christian guy talk about self-spreading vaccines. And that's bullshit. So strike one for you, even though it's not bullshit, it's totally true. So, so we don't want to be regulated. So I think we are going to encounter some problems in the next year or two. What about your situation in the US? How do you feel about it going forward and the future of the last American vagabond?
2: Well, I feel pretty good about the future of The Last American Vagabond because of the way that we've insulated ourselves from all the censorship with our dedicated server and, you know, the, the way that we're set up. It doesn't mean we're completely protected. But from, from T-Lab's perspective, I feel good because our audience is directly tapped in. You know, th- this I don't. there's no advertisers. There's no – every, every cent that goes into this platform is direct donation, everything, which I'm really proud of because that's something that the mainstream just can't even wrap their mind around. They don't know how to stop that, you know. But in regard to the larger picture, it's bittersweet, you know, because I mean, look, this is what I, what I was kind of hinting at before. I'm actually really inspired by what I see in this country right now, that there are despite the people I mean, look, the two party paradigm is always going to be a problem. It's always an uphill battle. People want to be invested. They like to associate themselves, their identity with some, you know, tenets of, ID, you know, I, I wish there could be something, uh, you know, a two party illusion tenant system we could give them. But nonetheless. You can see that the clear pushback against this whole vaccine specifically, the injection specifically, is bipartisan. It's across the board. You've got people yeah. on left extreme, right extreme, middle, nurses, doctors, PhDs, all coming out and going, look, I, some of them going, I love vaccines. This thing's dangerous. You know, and they're the, the mainstream media is reeling about that right now because you can't keep painting us as fringe weirdos in your mom's basement when you've got Nobel laureates speaking up and PhDs. You know, it, it's difficult, even though they still basically do that, which is really embarrassing for them. But I think that we're getting such a solid effect that that we're seeing change happen. I mean, this is why I think we're seeing kind of a waffling of the narrative and they're not going to give up. But what needs to happen, whether UK or or the US or anywhere else, is we need to capitalize on these moments. Like when we see them losing ground, we don't need to go, yay, we won, step back. Like we need to push harder, stand up, make a point of it, make sure people realize what just happened and keep pushing. You know, we need a radical change. We don't need a new president or a new party. We need a radical change. And I'm not saying I have all the answers to that. But this is what we need to keep seeing is that the more that we push back and stand up and speak for ourselves, it shows that that we've never really been what we thought we were, at least for a long time. Because when that happens, that's the real republic, the democracy, the representative situation where we're all saying we don't like this and they're not doing anything about it, you know?
0: I can't follow that. That's brilliant. Keep asking questions. That's what it's about. It's not about having answers. It's about asking the questions. You do that really well. Do me a favour. Mention, mention in passing to your writers that when articles drop on com, if they're in the mood to talk about those articles they're always welcome to come on this programme. So you can share my uh, details with them, Ryan and get them to get in touch with me if they, if they fancy it. Uh, they're Absolutely. always welcome on here, you know. Uh, and all I can say to you mate is just thanks for for coming on today just before you go Richard Kelly has been listening and he sent us an email he said Richie I've tested four friends including my ex-wife They've all had the, the jab, apparently. And four out of four, the magnet stuck, says Richard. And other there. people are tweeting uh, similar uh, accounts. W- w- I wouldn't dare call Richard a liar now. I'm not doing that at all. I, ju- I can't verify what Richard said, but I've read it out so people can make uh, their own minds up. The Last American Um, Don't be a stranger. Anytime you want, doors always open. Love having you on, Ryan.
2: Thank you, brother. Always a pleasure.
0: Thanks so much, Ryan. Christian, folks, uh, pretty much closing out the programme today. The American com, uh, A rare thing. Very good journalism. Check it out if you haven't uh, done so before. And there was a sad tweet came in there from Andrew. I'll, I'll read it out if I can find it. Uh, let me find it there now. Let me find it there now. It was about the, the vaccine and not being able to see people. Andrew says, Richie, my son, daughter-in-law, My granddaughter and their unborn child are in Canada and I will never see them again. And then he says, basically, F these uh, people, but he doesn't say people. Andrew, it makes me terribly sad to read that. It it really does, mate. I don't know what to say to you, really. You know, it's going to be a big thing going forward, this. People realising. People who know the score, as I mentioned to Ryan, who know that they, they should at least think very seriously about not having one of these jobs and then there will be others who know they shouldn't go anywhere near these jobs but then wives ex-wives children grandparents parents overseas somebody who might be on their own might need to be looked after and then you're in the in the realms of well maybe i have to take it maybe i don't have a choice Listen, I hear you loud and clear, and I, and I hope it works out for you. That's all I can say. Uh, hi to Jane, who says, Richie, out, check out Dr. Jane Ruby and Stu Peters on BitChute uh, on the magnetism thing. Uh, I will do when I get a chance, Jane. Thanks for that. I appreciate that. Uh, you can email me, by the way, during the programme, and even off, off, off air, you can email me through the website. I get a lot of emails now right? So I don't get a chance to reply to all of them. It's not because I don't want to, but I get a lot. But if there's a guest or somebody I should have on, I'm particularly interested in what I would call establishment people, qualified people, who have broken ranks. It's obvious why I'm more interested in them. Because if you're trying to alert people, maybe people who have found the Richie Allen show for the first time, maybe, and they're on the fence maybe, but they're now willing to listen, they're more likely to listen to the established academic who has broken ranks to say there's something very wrong. So if, if it's somebody from a university or a GP or an MD and I haven't heard of them before, send them my way. I will always pla- platform them. Right, thanks to Ryan C- Christian, thelastamericanvagabond.com. Thanks to Spiro uh, for his help on the programme tonight. Activistpost.com, Spiro Skuras on YouTube. And of course, Kevin Barrett in the first there, jihad.com. Back with you tomorrow. Jackie Devi will be on the programme tomorrow for an extended conversation. You do not want to miss that. I'll be with you at five as usual. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Thanks for being with me today. I enjoyed it as always. Bye for now. Bye now.